Welcome to Bloom Together, the podcast where we cultivate education leadership, innovation, and impact, one conversation at a time. Join us as we learn from visionary leaders, share inspiring stories, and uncover strategies that drive meaningful change in K-12 education. All right, greetings and good day once again, podcast listeners. We're right back here at Timberland High School and kind of part two of the Wolf Connection program. Had a great conversation with students. Now we get to talk to the master of the Wolf Connection program, Mr. Kelly Gonzer. So Kelly, thanks for joining us for this episode of Bloom Together and our podcast series on supporting mental health in schools. So share a little bit about your background. Kelly and I actually go way back, but I'll let him share a little bit about himself and the and the program and We'll try to defray our conversations from going into fly fishing, which is our mutual passion. But <laughs> Kelly, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you asking me. <clears throat> so my name is Kelly Gonzer, and I have been an educator in the Boise School District for 29 years. I started my career as a junior high teacher for six years. That rolled into being a guidance counselor for seven, and then mostly because of the Wolf Connection program, but also just really missing the classroom. I then went from counseling back to teaching, which I know for some, they might think that's a little weird that you would go back to teaching, but I've just always found that that's kind of where I belong to be. It's a passion of mine. So, Yeah, that's why we get into it. It's the passion and, and being around kids. I certainly missed that. So it was a treat for me to have the opportunity to interview those kids. They were great. Mason, Olivia, and Ryan, great, great kids. So they talked a little bit about the Wolf Connection from their perspective and what the program does and is, and they just spoke so highly of you and the program. They were great. So let's see how aligned you are. Tell us about the Wolf Connection program and maybe a little bit of history where it came from. (laughs) So this program actually started in 2002, and it was a byproduct of a program called Challenge Day that was at the time being instrumented in the Boise School District, specifically at the secondary level. Just to kind of give a nuts and bolts of what that was about, we were definitely, at least early on in my my counseling career, was definitely realizing that counselors, teachers, and administrators are very limited with being able to have an impact with regards to some of the negative things in school, bullying, drugs and alcohol, just mental health issues in general. And so very early on in my counseling career, I wanted to look for some opportunities for mentoring. I know that there are a lot of great kids that come through the high school system. And many of those great kids are oftentimes not identified or we see the potential for them to have an impact. And they themselves don't realize the impact that they can have on their peers. And so we started up the program in 2002. A few years later, as many things in education kind of come and go, the Challenge Day program was no longer, but we were seeing so much value in the Wolf Connection program with the mentoring that we were doing specifically for my leadership kids and the incoming sophomores. We were also seeing an opportunity for some leadership in the community. And so we never stopped. You know, the Challenge Day program went away. It's still around today, but it's not within our district. But I wanted to keep this a part of our school. It was something that had a deeper level of meaning than anything I'd ever experienced in my teaching career or counseling career for that matter. And so with that said, we ran the program all the way up until 2007, but it was at that point that we had got it qualified as an elective class. 
And I really wanted to be a part of this. And so you combine me missing the classroom and then having, you know, something that was my baby, I wanted to be a part of it. And so I stepped back into teaching in 2008 and it was exactly the right decision. It just felt so good to be not with these kids just once a week or at the retreat. I was with them every day. And I just found that that was such an important piece to me being able to help give them the tools to, to be effective as leaders and also mentors. Yeah. What does your program do? Like, what does it look like today? I know it's probably had its evolution. And side note, actually, Kelly and I met, I think it was 2005, six, somewhere in there, early, early 2000s, probably just after you started the Wolf Connection program. I was an assistant principal at the time, and we were, you know, struggling with the same thing that I think all high schools or all schools struggle with in terms of bullying and and just kids not feeling connected and all those types of things. And so learned about your program met with you and we ended up adopting a very similar program at Bishop Kelly that we ran for 20 or so years for a long time and it's had its different evolutions but yeah I'm a, I'm a big fan of of the program but you know it, it evolved over time I'm curious on kind of where you're at today in the program and what does it look like yeah 21 years it's it's amazing to reflect back on all the different things that we've tried and some some have stuck some haven't but now at this particular point one thing that was always consistent from year one is we sat down and created a motto a goals and vision of what we want our program to be and so our motto is challenge yourself change your world and that motto was obviously kind of a byproduct of be the change that you wish to see in the world i had asked the kids if they just wanted to use gandhi quote, but they were like, no, we want, we want our own. And so that was what they came up with. And so the way the program works is it's very, very introspective of the leaders themselves. And so I tell the kids that their, their number one most important leadership project of the year is themselves. I want them to look at what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and then how can we work on the weaknesses, but increase the, the strengths. And so we do a lot of things in the first quarter that are really built around their own development and growth. And with that, is that your bell? That's my bell. <laughs> I was expecting a different type of bell. We're, we're in between classes here. So, yeah. yeah. So the first quarter is all about us taking a look at their strengths, their weaknesses. We go to a ropes course over at CSI, which is the biggest ropes course this side of the Mississippi River. Kids are put into a lot of situations where they have to step out of their their comfort zone. And the analogy that we tell them is we don't want them to be in the panic zone, but we don't want them to be in the comfort zone. We want them in what we call the growth zone. And so the, the ropes course is a great example of that. We then go on a two and a half day retreat where the kids really get to know one another more on a personal level. But we also realize something at the end of that retreat, and that is a very important thing that we try to spread back in our school. And that is that every single person walking this earth is going through something and we don't stop to take that into consideration because we see somebody and we look at them from the outside and we maybe see what grades they do or what sports they play and we just kind of assume that they've got it all together and that's kind of the montage for a lot of high school kids is you just act like you got it all together but the reality is everyone's got some type of struggle and they realize that within that first quarter together and then they take that knowledge then into the different projects that they do Uh, we've got uh, lunch buddies next door with white pine 
third graders. So every other Wednesday, you'll find them out eating lunch with their third graders and then going out. And I call it mentoring on the go because they are literally on the go playing with the kids, but also trying to teach them some social skills. Because as we all know, third graders sometimes don't always play nice and share. (laughs) And it's a great way for them also to let their little kid out because high school kids are under so much stress. And so they don't realize it at first, but I tell them, I was like, you're actually going to learn just as much from these little third graders as they will from you. Another project that we take on directly within our school is our Fortify mentoring program. And that is bringing on board uh, roughly about 35 other sophomores. And I will assign two or three of my leadership kids to two or three of the sophomores. And they've kind of got that big brother, big sister role model that they can kind of talk about some of the realities of high school, but also with the idea of Fortify being to strengthen themselves. And so they do a lot of different kind of introspective things that I do with the kids in the first quarter. They do that throughout the year. Our Fortify kids are also our sources of strength peer leaders. Source of Strength is a program that many schools in the state of Idaho has adopted, just looking at what are different sources of strength that you can turn to in times of need when maybe mental health issues are kind of starting to kick in or they're just feeling really down. What are some things that we can turn into? And so the sophomores that are involved in that, they are then trained up to be peer leaders for that. So I guess the Fortify program is kind of like a junior wolf connection, if you would. And many of those kids that participate in Fortify will then try to get in the next year for wolf connection. Our other big project that we do would be our community projects. And that is ever since 2005, we have been going out to various retirement centers, nursing homes. Primarily, the last few years, we focused in on just the Boise Senior Center, by which, and we call the program Adopt a High School Student. And so starting in November, I will send my kids to the Boise Senior Center. They then will be grouped up with probably like three or four seniors, and then I'll have four to five of my kids that meet all together, and they just talk about what are some of the differences in generations? What are some of the words of wisdom that the seniors have for them? But then my kids bestow a lot of wisdom on them as well. And the seniors just love it. It's, it's definitely one of the highlights of their year. And it's, and for my kids, they love, love each time that they go out to the Boise Senior Center. We do that for roughly about three months. And then as kind of a celebration of the entire experience, we throw what's called a senior citizen prom. And we have an average so cool. 80 to 100 senior citizens that are out there just busting a move as best they can. And we have people sometimes that are in walkers. We've actually had some nursing homes that will bring some of the people out in wheelchairs and we get them out on the dance floor. I always forewarn my leadership kids, hey, let's be careful with the, the people in the wheelchair. We don't the, the, the goal is to show them a good time. Let's not send them to the hospital. <laughs> yeah. How is that received by the participants from the, the senior citizen home? And what, what do they say about that? I'll tell a quick story. And it kind of shows the evolution of, of how far this has come. So the very first year we did the, the prom, the kids did a great job, but they didn't know a whole lot about the advertising and marketing scheme. And plus our, our visits were pretty limited, I should say. And so... At our actual first senior citizen prom, we only had 35 seniors show up and the kids were devastated. They were just, they, they wanted the big numbers that they were hoping for. And so I told the kids the next day when we came back and I was like, you know, you guys did a really great thing. And they're just like, oh, we didn't have near as many seniors show up. And I was like, well, let me tell you guys a story. And this lady that I had seen and met earlier in some of the visits, her name was Ruth. She came up to me and she just sat down and she's like, I don't understand. What is this? 
And I was like, excuse me? And she's like, what, what are you guys doing? Why, what, why, did, why are you guys doing this for us? And I was like, this was the idea of the kids. And it really was very organic. Jerry Hendershot, the, the teacher of the class at the time, had kind of thrown out some possible ideas. And the kids were like, we want to do senior visits. And we want to throw a prom. She looked at me and she said, you know, I have not been on a dance floor since my husband passed. And this is probably one of my most favorite memories since my, my husband's passed. Another thing that you need to tell your kids is that my last prom was with my husband, who I met in high school. And she's like, this experience made all the difference in the world. And she's like, and she'd also tell the young man that I danced with that I swore to my husband I'd never dance with another man. He got another <laughs> dance. And when I told that story, and of course I'm telling that story with, with tears in my eyes as, as I tell that to the kids, it kind of dawned on them, okay, maybe it wasn't about the 35 people. Maybe it was about the impact that we had. And so we oftentimes come back to that idea of, hey, if we can get a full house, that's awesome. And honestly, for the last, I mean, ever since year one, we've averaged between 80 to 100 seniors. So it's we always get the numbers, but it's the stories that we remember. It's the letters of gratitude that I might get from the activity director saying, you know, you have no idea how this touched the lives of our seniors. And then sharing that back with the kids and realizing this idea of impact that they're having. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, you don't normally hear something like that as a as a program element of what's happening in high school. It's, I think that's pretty unique. I'm curious, like, why do you think that matters? Like, why why that? And how do you think that impacts our the kids that you're working with? I think it really comes back to, and that it's it's part of the 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 name of our program. I am a firm believer that one of the biggest solutions to any and all ailments in the world is connection. And being able to offer that opportunity up, whether it's to a third grader or to a 69-year-old or whoever. And it kind of starts first with the, the group of kids. I tell them, I share with them the idea that they are first going to connect with one another. They're going to get to know one another really, really well. They're basically, we, we, we use the analogy of this is going to be a family for you. You're going to have a bunch of, of adopted brothers and sisters. And then once we connect with one another... I'm going to ask you to do the same with your third graders at White Pine, with your senior citizens, with your sophomores in Fortify. And we just always come back to this idea that the problem in this world is not a lack of people. We have so many billions of people in this world, but the problem in this world is a lack of connection. Well said. Yeah. When I was talking to the students earlier, you know, we talked about the program and I said, okay, now we're going to you know, I want you, I want you to be real with me, and 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 I said, have you guys heard of the iceberg analogy? And they're like, oh yeah. And I see the poster behind you, and it's like, okay, of course they have, you know. So, and a big part of that is 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 the opportunity to be real and authentic, and have you know, and to build those connections and relationships is to be in a environment that fosters or supports kind of students being able to kind of drop that waterline of who they really are as opposed to, oh, I'm in the newspaper or on the track team or the basketball team. No, what, who are you really? And that kind of really builds that connection. And, and you know, so much of what we are, are talking about is that sense of belonging that, that we all strive for. It's not, it's not unique to adolescents or, or kids. It, it, we all, as human beings, want to feel wherever we're at, we, we have that sense of belonging. It sounds like this program that you have here is is really starting first with within your classes that they really do that. How important is that today in in 
allowing or giving students that sense of belonging? And how do you think about that in terms of your approach with the kids that you work with? I think it's a human need that, like you said, everybody wants it. Everybody needs it. And I think that we turn to a lot of different things in search of it. And if you look at the current state of technology, we're looking to this particular device to have connection. And you've actually heard certain companies use that as like, this is the way to connect to the rest of the world. This is the way to connect to your loved ones. And there's nothing wrong with technology. <laughs> but if anyone, anyone that's in the school system today is seeing a major shift with behavior and that being that there's a device in their hands that's much more interesting than what the teacher might have to offer in front of the room. And so it doesn't change the need. The kids are just as in need of, of love and affirmation and connection as you and I were in high school and I, our parents were before us. It's, it's That has not changed and will not change. What has changed is the game. The technology that's out there is giving the kids the idea that if they can just find this perfect search on Google or make this perfect post on social media or whatever. And um, I tell my kids, it's kind of like this. I look at so I look at kids, especially kids that are on their phone all the time. And it's almost like as they're sitting there doing whatever they're doing, texting or making a post, it's almost like this imaginary image of a cloud pops above their head to me. And it's like instead of what they're doing, what they don't realize is they're sitting there going, I am desperately trying to connect in some way, fashion. I wish I knew what I was doing, but I can't find it. And I'm just going to keep searching and you'll never find it on their phone. Human interaction, just having a conversation, just telling somebody about their day and, and interactions. I tell my kids as they walk in and drop off the phone in the phone caddy, I want you to just sit down to whoever you're sitting next to and engage with them, talk to them, ask them how they're feeling, how they're doing. Because it's like we have been so trained through technology to not do that anymore. Those little nuances of just this, you know, maybe we have one minute before the bell rings or five minutes before this conference starts that we miss this opportunity to have these great conversations that once we jump in, we're all about it. So yesterday I had a conversation with uh, Dr. Megan Smith at Boise State who does a lot of research and data gathering for on behalf of schools to identify kind of where some pinpointing some issues around the mental health focus. And she said, you know, across the board, the two main things that often come up the most are social isolation and high stress, specifically with, with adolescents. And so I asked your students, you know, why is that? And without prompting, you know, split second later, one of the students, you know, really jumped on the technology is a huge barrier for that social connection and, and it creates more isolation. And they also recognized in specifically your class and, and one or two others that they have that you know, those teachers that really make it a priority to put those phones away and force them to have that engagement is for them some of the most enjoyable classes because it gives them a break from that and forces them to have those connections. So, you know, we find ourselves oftentimes as educators fighting against that, right? Especially, I mean, I've been in a classroom for, for a while, but I know that that is a challenge with educators. It's a fight, but at the same time, what I heard from the students is, 
they actually, it's almost like they hunger for it. They're going to fight for fight, but at the same time, they're, they also really recognize that they need that. So kudos to you. Yeah. So belonging is so important. And, you know, obviously this program is a huge part of that to help make those connections. It's not easy. What are some of the challenges that you find in doing this and, and helping to build those connections with through your program or just even kind of observations as an educator? What, is, what are some of the biggest challenges you face to create that sense of belonging with your students? It really kind of boils back to, I'm going to go beyond technology to just look at societal expectations that we are kind of growing up under, but also ones that we're witnessing. There's quite a few contradictions that I think society tells us that I'm trying to kind of actually say, no, that's actually not because, you know, I'm uh, growing up in high school and stuff. I was very competitive and I use sports as kind of a motivator for lots of aspects of my life. But I think we have gotten in, in our society, we've gotten into this very competitive nature with ideas of like, no, my idea is correct. Yours is wrong. And there's no gray and there's no dialogue. There's no healthy conflict or debate type of thing. And so that is one of many things that I really try to kind of break down those barriers with my kids to say, look, I'm going to show you a different model here. It is okay to disagree. It is okay to have a different idea. And if your idea that you present to your to the class or to the, your team doesn't end up working out simply because you guys realized there was a better idea that was out there. That's a great thing. That means that these are skills that you definitely need to be able to have. But I also tell them that as I'm teaching you these skills and I'm asking you to do these skills, I realize you have a lot of models out there in the real world that we have very important people in very important positions that are not following the the model of conflict that I ask for you guys. Right. And they're not following the the idea of being open-minded and, and having a paradigm shift when a paradigm shift is needed. And so that can be a huge barrier. Your schools are definitely a microcosm for society. So whatever is popular, whatever is kind of the fashion or whatever is the trend, that then rolls itself out in the school system. And so... While kids want affirmation, kids want to feel belong. If you look at their social media posts and some of the things that are out there in the internet world, it's about you're either number one or you're a loser and you don't need affirmation. You don't need love. And oftentimes it's the the messages on social media are the exact opposite. Let's put someone down. Let's put something down. And so the kids get trained that that is the way that you do something. You go, you know, when you're talking with your best friends, instead of telling them how much you appreciate them or appreciate their acts of kindness or something, you do just the opposite. You sit there and put them down and degrade them because that's what friends do. And so it really does become a matter of we need to be able to have kids in a leadership position like this model this. And they are, they're, they're modeling it on a daily basis. And then their friends are sitting there watching them do something like, yeah, I, that's what I, I wanted to say that, but they were willing to step up. So it does definitely kind of become that peer pressure in a positive way. I think with certain aspects of your program too, with working with the third graders and even working with, with the elderly, I think there's also this message of when you have an opportunity to give back and build some, someone else up, whether it's community service or someone, there's a lot of internal reward in that. And that hopefully also feeds the students that you're working with to, to help them realize, you know, it's not just about me and I can be fed by supporting and helping other students. And I feel like what you're doing in your program, it helps foster that as well. Yeah. Very cool. So 
not every school has a Kelly Gonzer and not every school has a wolf connection program. There's a lot of schools that are listening to this or a lot of school leaders and, you know, maybe within a school or outside of school that have influence. What are some things that you feel that just about any school could do today or within a short, reasonable short period of time to really make a difference on zeroing in on that connection, on the sense of belonging? What is your advice based on your experience and working with kids that you think others should hear? I think anyone from a first-year teacher to somebody, a seasoned veteran of 30 years, anyone that's been in education long enough knows what is really truly meaningful and what the kids need. The teachers who are on the front line every day, they know what the issues are in education. And they'd be the first to tell you these are the problems. They'd also be the ones to tell you what the solution is. And the solution is an opportunity for these kids to be able to be put into some meaningful, tangible things that are going to make a difference in their life. There's so many things that we go through in our education system that we're not ever going to remember. you know. And again, we have a job to do as far as teaching the curriculum, but it's the life skills. That's what I hear time and time again from the kids that come back to me for leadership saying, I just so appreciate you teaching me how to just have a communicate, have a conversation and communicate with my significant other or whatever that was. I think that we're at a point where we're starting to look a little bit outside the box of what is leadership. There's many opportunities. Pretty much every school has some sort of a leadership program, be it student council or whatever, for those schools that don't have an extra. Because we have student council and we have Wolf Connection, and I think both programs are so important. I had a, um, a teacher from Capitol High School in the Boys School District came to me, and she's actually looking to start up a second leadership program that is more about what I'm doing here, to look on school culture, to look on community. So I think student council is oftentimes kind of locked into history and the tradition of what they've always done. But I I think that student councils can have this type of impact. I think that schools that have some very passionate teachers that have a really good rapport with students and definitely can see the need of some of the things that kids need. I think that those teachers are the ones that could say, hey, why don't we start up a second leadership program? Why don't we make this more about, you know, because if, if the student council is locked into all the history stuff and all the traditional stuff that they've always done, then there's no chance for any type of impact. But if you can open it up and say, let's start up a second leadership program, you know, one of the forefront topics that is being thrown around all across the nation and all across the world is mental health. I am seeing some paradigm shifts by districts and by even legislature that we're starting to recognize we got to do something here. And one of the things that they, I think one of the best pieces of advice that I can give is give this back to the kids. Kids need structure. Kids are going to need a, a mentor and a guy, uh, some guidance in and of themselves. But it amazes me how we we put so much money into research and have experts quote. I'll put quotations around that word. Experts come into our school to say these these are the problems and this is what you need to do. Right. Our experts are sitting in the classroom. Our experts are our students. Our experts. You you go ask them as you did. Hey, what are the issues that you're faced with? They're this. And what are the solutions? And they have some really great ideas for solutions. And that's probably one of the biggest benefits that any school that's even thinking about maybe offering a different type of leadership. That's the power that you have within that program is to have real impact with your students. And I think that's what every school wants. But they just sometimes forget that the experts are just sitting right there in the classrooms every day. Yep. And our students want to be asked for those questions. And that came up in a conversation recently with 
with Dr. Smith, it you know came up even in the conversation with the students today is they want to be asked and they're willing to share and they want to share um, their ideas and and thoughts on this. And you're right if you're I think if you're not bringing them to the table at some at some place in kind of thinking about how to make your school a better you know better environment for all of your students without asking your students, I think you're making a mistake. So I I, I agree with that. There's there's a lot of power in the student voice for sure. While we were talking, the lights went off. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a light sensor yeah, thing. So. We haven't been moving for a yeah. while. So. Um, well, as we wrap up, Kelly, anything else that maybe I didn't ask that I should have or anything that you would like to share before we kind of close this out? I guess just the, you know, I, I'm going to look back on my career, obviously, with all these memories of, of each of my leadership classes. And I paint a really pretty picture of just all the wonderful, amazing things that this program has done. And, and it's, I'm not exaggerating. It has been amazing, but not every single year is it a perfect fit. We have some struggles and it's actually, you know, in some of those years where some of my kids kind of have some, they have some conflict and they, 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 they struggle with maybe a particular aspect of the leadership program. I think that's the opportunity for growth. I, I actually look forward to it. Uh, things are going super easy and simple for a long time. I'm like going, well, you're just going to get stagnant, you know? And so there have been some years where we've had to go through a lot of stuff, but then we got to the end of the experience and those, I always feel the same about these kids at the end of the year, no matter what, but those particular years that we had to go through some extra struggles, they're the extra rewarding ones, but it definitely does require one to to be looking at education in a different way. This is not your traditional thing that we do. And yet anyone that's in the business would say, yeah, but this is what we should be doing more of. Yep, absolutely. Well said and kudos to you and your your school leadership and your students for for doing the work that you're doing. It's it's not easy. It takes a lot of passion and care and, and compassion for what you're doing and it makes a difference. So kudos to you and thanks, Kelly, for being part of this. And thank you to all of our listeners that are listening today. Hopefully this has been a valuable conversation to add to our overall topic of how we support students' mental health in our schools today. So with that, we'll close out. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us to explore education, leadership, innovation, and impact here on Bloom Together. We encourage you to continue these dialogues in your communities, classrooms, and organizations. Be sure to visit bloom.org together, where you can discover more episodes or click join the conversation if you'd like to be a guest. Until next time, keep learning, keep blooming, and keep making an impact one conversation at a time.